This week, Music Biz Weekly podcast, award-winning news anchor from ABC7 News in San Francisco, Dan Ashley, sits down with us today and talks about the news, talks about music, talks about what they've got in common, talks about storytelling and being authentic. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert Two longtime music industry pros discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you Build need. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Banzoogle. Go to Banzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. We've got such an amazing guest. We're going to just zip through the this housekeeping up front really quick so you can get to this amazing interview we've got today um thank you to bruce and everybody at hypebot for all your support and of course thank you to our sponsors bandzoogle.com bandzoogle makes it so easy to build a stunning website and epk for your music in just minutes all the features you need are already built in including dozens of fully customizable templates tools to sell your music merch and tickets commission free mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and so many more, so you can easily add content from your other online profiles. And of course, their amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8.29 a month, and that includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners, head over to bandzoogle.com. Try it for free for 30 days, and when you sign up, use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And of course, DiscMakers.com. As you know, vinyl's been mainly a label product up to now because of high prices and tight supply and long lead times, and that's kept a lot of independent artists on the sidelines but artists want vinyl and not many of them end up moving forward why as we said price and turnaround times most artists don't know how many records they'll sell so they want to start with the smallest quantity possible to test the waters up until recently 100 records at disc makers might cost you $1,990 that's a lot of money and doesn't compare to just getting 100 cds from disc makers for 149 bucks so Disc Makers has ripped the Band-Aid off, and they've relaunched their entry-level vinyl strategy with an offer of 100 vinyl records for just $1,299. So do yourself a favor. Head over to DiscMakers.com. Order yourself 100 vinyl records for $1,299. Jay, who's joining us this week? I'm excited that our audience gets to listen to this. It's an award-winning news anchor. He's a philanthropist. He's a musician. He's just a, a fine human being. Today, we talk to Dan Ashley. Yeah, you got to let this roll. Such an amazing conversation about music, authenticity, being transparent, uh, and storytelling. I mean, Dan brings experience from the news world and the music world and talks about storytelling so let it subscribe on youtube follow and rate us on spotify 
Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Today, we are joined by a special guest who is not only an award-winning anchor and a philanthropist, but also happens to be a musician. And so today, we are, we're thankful to be joined by Dan Ashley. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's just great to be with you. Your show is fantastic, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you so much. Again, it's it's an honor. I mean, before we hit the record, I was I was telling Dan, um, I'm a Bay Area native, so every time I hear him speak here, I'm like, oh, wait a second, is the TV on? <laughs> <laughs> I can't escape this guy. Yeah, no. exactly, exactly. No. The, the voices are everywhere. Um, Dan, you you you've got an interesting perspective being a long-running award-winning news anchor here on ABC ABC up in San Francisco. Um you're also an active musician. And I guess let's start with what came first? Were you at growing up did you want to be a musician and then TV happened? Did TV happen and that kind of gave you the impetus to go, well, I want to pursue this other passion I've always <laughs> dreamed of? What happened first? Yeah, you know, Mike, that's such a good question. It, it, chicken and the egg question, right? Right. Uh, uh, I, I would suppose it's probably more the latter, but I will say I have been around music my entire life uh, since I was a little kid, uh, had lessons and every instrument you can name practically. My sister is and was a musician, violinist and piano and organ uh, player as well. Uh, and I was in the junior choir as a kid. So I sang when I was a little kid. Then there was a long gap between uh, being involved in music. And, you know, starting in college, I really focused on journalism as a career and developed in a deep, deep passion for it and belief in what it represents and why it's important and why I wanted to be a part of it. So I really have been very fortunate, guys, to have the career I've always wanted to have for all of these years. Yeah. Tell uh, me about growing up. Uh, what was your comfort food? What were those records that you were spinning? Uh, I mean, you were surrounded by music. So I would bet money that it's across multiple genres. But tell me about that comfort food growing up. Boy, you're exactly right. It was. It's uh, across every genre, practically. And probably... I'll, I'll tell you one funny story, and then I'll answer that question. When I was Please. a kid, my mother used to take us to every classical concert and event you could name that came through Chapel Hill, North Carolina, my hometown where I grew up. And there was one time when I was uh, about 14, she wanted to take us to hear a performer named Eugene Fodor, who was an up-and-coming violinist, uh, a real virtuoso. He was going to have a big career. Sadly, it didn't quite happen. I think he died. I think he ended up with mm. a drug problem, sadly, and some other issues. So it, it didn't quite pan out, but he was a rising star. And my famous quote to my mother when I didn't want to go, because I was more interested in rock and roll at that time, <laughs> was, well, you can make me go, but you can't make me listen. <laughs> I was a stubborn teenager, right? So exactly. I went, well played, Dan. <laughs> exactly. And I had the time of my life. He was unbelievably oh. engaging. It was, it spoke to the audience and was exciting to watch. And I loved it. So that kind How of reunited an interest in, in classical music too. Yeah. But uh, growing up, I had, I was a huge Yes fan. I had every Yes album uh, because they had that great artwork. Every Yes album they ever produced. I was a big Rush fan. So I had uh, Rush albums. My favorite band has historically always been the Rolling Stones, even though I like a lot of other bands. So I, I certainly had a lot of Rolling Stones, but then 
you know, Copacabana, Barry Manilow. I had that album as a, as a kid. And it was such a great album and such a different style of music. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, the who, Oh, I had, I was a big who fan. So, um, across the board i had a couple of broadway a couple of show tune uh, the sound of music album michael mm-hmm. jackson had the uh, had uh jackson five album not michael jackson jackson five sure. album as a kid so it it was across a wide range yeah but I was well, you know and part. and and you know i can speak for myself but i think jay would agree growing up as a kid you know i'm i'm 59 back as kids when we were growing up it wasn't so much about you had to like one thing and one thing only in a very narrow genre support it was like you would listen to radio and they would go from playing country to a rock band to a pop band you know it music was much more almost open and free you know it hadn't become the the corporate structure that it is now yeah. where it's like, Oh, everything's got to be very niche focused siloed, and, typecast yeah. and siloed yeah. in order to get to the target market. It's like, and, and, and I grew up the same way. I mean, I, my mom was a big country music fan and we listened, she would have country music on the radio, but I grew up as a kiss fan. And, and, you know, but at the same time, listening to what's now termed yacht rock, which was just right. yacht rock when we were growing up, was just AM radio. That's what AM radio was. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's Yacht Rock was AM radio. Now it's its own genre. And, you know, back then, uh, disc jockeys had a lot of freedom to play whatever they wanted. Yep. Now it's, you know, they're big corporate groups and they send down playlists and, and it, there's less autonomy in the way things are done these days. Or there's more autonomy in the way it was done. But But individuals didn't have as much freedom to do what they wanted. And you're right. You could listen to uh, a station and hear, you know, REM one minute and then the next minute, you know, a, a country artist or a country rock artist uh, or a Barry Manilow song or a Michael yep. Jackson song. And and right. there was a certain innocence to that time. And by the way, Mike, I just uh, crossed that 59 threshold into 60. It's it, <laughs> last month. It's it's not as scary <laughs> as it seems. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like to tell people it's like rock and roll is actually what kind of keeps me young. Uh, you know, my, my, my body may be feeling it a little bit more, but mentally, man, put on a good rock record, crank it up. And you're, you're 18 years old again. Yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. I agree. I, you know, it be, part of it is the music and part of it is just a youthful attitude. Yeah. And, you know, music, the great thing about music is it takes you back, whatever music you like, takes you Absolutely. back to times in your life. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel, Jay, doesn't it, young? Yeah. It reminds you of different periods in your life that you can yeah. tap into. Yeah, it sure does. And I remember, you know, to Michael's point, I was growing up in Seattle listening to KJR AM radio. And it was, you know, you could hear Poco and Pure Prairie League right on the same hour as Earth, Wind and & Fire and Wild right. Cherry. I didn't know what color these people were. It didn't matter. I, I didn't know what genre it was. It didn't matter. To me, they were just songs and they were yeah. just... It was just such a wonderful thing. You grew up, you said, in North Carolina, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. College Chapel Hill. Hill. What was your What was your radio station? Uh, well, one probably the biggest one was WCHL, and yeah. uh, I actually later, as a reporter, worked at WCHL briefly. What so I got my radio experience there? But I used to listen to that as a kid. 
And there was another oh, rock station. I don't remember the call letters uh, at the time, but CHL was kind of the big station in town. Well, I want to ask you about that because when I was in, I used to live in Portland, Oregon, and I would listen to, when I was in high school, I would listen to KGON and those DJs, they were like rock stars to me. I mean, yeah. they were larger than life. And I actually got to work with a couple of them. And later, one of them was my roommate. And it always blew my mind when he used that voice. And it's like talking to you right now. And I hear that voice and it messes with your head a little bit. It's like, oh my God, that's that's that voice that I grew up with. When you went to work at that radio station, were any of those people still there that you sort of grew up with? Yes, there were a couple of them. <laughs> what was that uh, the like? guy that I think had left not long ago was Jim Lampley, you know, the famous sportscaster. He worked, he got mm -hmm. his start at CHL. Okay. And, and it is a bit of a surreal experience. And the th same thing happened to me, Jay, when I went to work at WTVD uh, television in Durham, North Carolina, Raleigh Durham Market, the first place I worked. These were people I grew up watching. Larry Stogner, yeah. the anchor there, had been there for years, and I watched him as a teenager, and suddenly I'm writing news copy for him. Oh, my God. And it was That's exciting crazy. and also intimidating. I bet. And it's a reminder. I remember there was a my, – my youngest kid is 30 now, and he used to listen uh, here in the Bay Area to this morning uh, show, and there was a, 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 a guy and a woman on this show that – were a big deal in town and he would listen every morning before school for some reason he just loved listening to them well one day i was doing an event and they were there of course and i introduced them and they might as well have been the beatles he was all but trembling he was like <laughs> yeah. nine eight nine years old he goes dad wow. i leave it i listen and you forget about because we're in this business so long you forget about the impact that can have on people Absolutely. Um, and how you are part of their lives and part of their world in a very intimate way. They listen to you, they let you in their homes, they they hear what you're saying. And it was very sweet. And it was really a touch point for me to be reminded of how the impact you can have on people, especially yeah. younger people. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I've 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 always said I've looked at at DJs and, and even even TV personalities. I grew up in Minneapolis, so the Minneapolis market. You know, they were the rock stars to me as much as as much as Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley were rock stars. If I had that opportunity to go out to the state fair and go to the radio booth and actually see the DJ that day and maybe shake their hand, that was as big as meeting a musician. Same goes with an on air TV personality that <clears throat> it, it's it, you're right. We allow those those voices to come into our life. And sometimes it's just, it's a comforting voice. It's a yeah. voice you fall asleep to. It's a voice that wakes you up, but then it's also a voice that might be there through something dramatic that's happening. Newsworthy. It's the voice that talked you through nine 11 or something else. And yeah. there's, there's something really important about that i think that that to some extent is really getting lost now it's really getting so. lost that that they're yeah. they're they they meaning media companies are putting less importance on the personalities and just more focus on the bottom line roi and how can we make money and do this quick and efficiently 
Yeah, and I but, think with streaming, Mike, you know, that also takes a lot of that away. Um, you know, I grew up listening to radio stations. I was at an appointment the other day and I heard this voice and my body just froze. It was Bob Eubanks was sitting oh, sure. behind me at sure. this office. And I'm like, I know that voice. I, and I got like goosebumps. I know that voice. And then he spoke again. I went, oh, my God. You know, I mean, this is a guy introduced the Beatles on the Hollywood Bowl album, you know, the newlywed. I mean, all this, I grew up with that voice in my head and I wonder, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Dan. I wonder now, I mean, radio is still around. It's still in people's lives, but not at the extent it was, you know, when I was growing up because of streaming and, and other things, you know, what do you, do you think it's sort of been diminished that sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, hero worship of some of these voices that we grew up with? Yeah. And, you know, um, I do. And I think radio's had a challenging time, certainly TV as well. It's all changing, you know, and that's the nature of the our business. But if you think about it, it's always changed. This is just a profound change. You know, the technology and the way we deliver it has, has always been evolving. But sure. now with viewing on demand, listening on demand, why am I going to listen to the radio station when I can just, you know, hit my iPhone and listen to whatever I want? Yeah. And as a result, they've diminished the role of uh, the disc jockey and the yeah. radio host. Because, and I, I think it. what people forget, by people I mean the people in charge, is there is a certain magic that is lost when you get rid of the human beings behind some of this stuff. People want to make a connection, whether it's someone on television or whether it's someone on radio. Hey, we know when they're listening to the radio, hey, play a song. I want to hear some music, of course. But if you have an engaging personality, if you have a connection with your audience as a radio personality, they want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear your, especially if you're someone with experience and you guys can talk about artists you've worked with and known over yeah. the years and add that kind of flavor. Without yeah. it in all of the media, a little bit of the magic of broadcasting is lost. You know, yeah. and you go back and you watch like old Johnny Carson shows, or you go back and listen to those old radio dramas. And we're not going to go back to that probably. No, but boy, it was magic. And, young, sure and was. younger people today don't understand how really special it was. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the, the personality. I just keep going back to that personality is being lost in all broadcast right now. And that is something that I feel streaming and technology can't, can't compete with, can't replace, uh, you know, even with all the talk of AI, there is a personality. There's, there's that, that magic, that sparkle that comes from that host, whether it's TV or radio, that, you know, and, and as I mentioned, it's comforting. That's yeah. what it is. It's comforting. It's like that is a voice that just I could have a crappy day at work as a kid and I come home and I turn on the radio and I hear that voice and it's just like, I don't care what he's playing. I really could care less what they're playing. The voice brings me in and says, hey, I'm here. We're talking. You're listening. Everybody's just having a good time. And I feel like it's it's something that media companies don't want to invest in, is they just don't want to invest in the personality anymore. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's a belief that that 
it's all but content is the only thing that matters and right. you forget that the human being uh, on the other end of that microphone or television camera is part of the content uh, you know it it is part of the content absolutely and and i think um without that it it's think about these days when you when you try to call for service on any kind of a line you know you call your cell phone company whatever if you can get an actual person it's a huge relief it you know it, you're making a connection with somebody i have someone here who's sympathetic hopefully or can help and right. i can actually talk with them and get some help we're kind of the phone tree version now uh, of of uh what media has become in that it it's a little less impersonal or it can be that's why local television and local radio is still so important because i think we still can oh, plug yes. in to the 100%. community in a unique way i went to the warriors game last night and you know people kept stopping me and saying hi and coming up which is is lovely but what it speaks to is hey people feel that you kind of belong to them in your community you know and, absolutely and that's, that's kind of a it's certainly as a broadcaster that's a nice feeling to feel like you have a place there but for them it's a very nice uh sense of continuity uh over the years yeah. that some familiar face or familiar voice has been with them for years I know I react. You guys, we're all professionals in this industry. And like your Bob Eubanks story, Jay, we still react like fans yeah, right. or like ordinary yeah. people. When we meet someone, if I meet a, a a journalist that I have admired from afar for years, you know, the first yeah. time I met with and, and worked a number of times with Peter Jennings, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, wow. it's Peter Jennings. Yep. I've idolized yeah. this guy. I still have yeah. the same reaction and I'm in the industry. Yeah. And I love that you still have that reaction. And I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I will say that the reason I almost exclusively watch local news is because when you get to some of the national news, uh, not all of it, but a lot of it is so divided to these days with politics that I would rather just know about what's going on where I live and hear some good news <laughs> from time to time. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned the Rolling Stones is, I don't know if you've seen their new video, but I was watching it the other day and it is absolutely fantastic because it's this woman, you know, driving down Sunset Boulevard and each one of the billboards she passes is an era of the Stones, you know, the 60s Stones, but they're, they're animated, they're video, you know, so they're moving Jay, around. Not only have I have seen, seen it, I've probably seen it 25 times. Oh my God. Talk about your reaction to that because I know mine was pretty visceral. Um, I haven't seen a video really like that before. And it really pulled me back into the reason I love the stones and the stones are one of those bands, as you know, very few bands can say this, that they've evolved over years. Like the Beatles evolved and their every album was almost like a different band or, you know, like a different sound. And the fact that they're still around today, making meaningful art is just stunning. But tell me about your reaction to it. Well, you know, of course, the moment it came out, and I'm excited for the entire new album. It's getting great reviews. Uh, I loved the video. I thought it was very creative and and fun. I'd never seen anything like it as well with the, you know, the film clips displayed on a billboard as if it's, you know, in real time. So cool. And you're right. It takes you through different eras. And the, the way they edit it, it's almost as if they're singing those lyrics of this current song. You know, you can't quite <laughs> right. tell. And, and sometimes right. it, it match cuts really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thought, first of all, was the moment you hear the riff, you go, oh, that's the Stones. I mean, and it's just quintessential Stones, which is fantastic. The other thing I thought, I thought uh, probably three things, Jay, is um, 
how here the, these guys are 80 about now. Mick Jagger's 80, Keith's 79. Yeah. They're 80. And uh, Mike, to your point about rock and roll keeping you young, they still can deliver raucous rock and roll like they're in their 20s that has that same vibe, that same feel, uh, great lyric, great uh, hook and riffs. It was just a, it was a catchy classic Rolling Stone song. And the final thing that I thought was, wow, how lucky are we? What a privilege mm -hmm. that for over 60 years, <clears throat> we have been able to hear this band and go see them live and we still can. What, a, yeah. how fortunate, what a privilege. You know, and I'm also so happy for them to have lived these remarkable lives. You know, good for them, you know. Yeah, I mean, Jay, Jay, Jay and I often talk about how uh, in the music world, especially as fans, well, even the bands in the business, we have entered a time that nobody ever envisioned happening. And what I mean by that yeah. is yeah. when the Rolling Stones <clears throat> started, when Aerosmith started, when the Who started, all these bands were probably like, Hey, if we can do this for five years, 10 years, that's great. We That's all we want out of this. No band ever sat down and said, well, what's our 50-year plan for staying relevant? Yeah. And yet here we are that we've got all of these great, incredible classic bands that are still here. Many of them are on their final farewells, their the sunset of their careers for one reason only though that their bodies can't continue to do it <laughs> mentally they're still as we talked at the beginning they're still 18 25 year old right. kids playing rock and roll and there's an audience of 18 25 year old kids out there who are like we come see you will you come to her again and and we're at this this it's almost like a fork in the road of how does this industry deal with moving forward when the demand is still there, but physically these artists just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I think it's a great question and a, an interesting dilemma for the music industry, because there's that a whole group of people our age, some 10, 15, 20 years older and some 10 years younger who love this music that group of people 40 to say 80 years old that grew up with this, this music. Um, and who's going to fill that gap. And, right. and some of these artists are still delivering at such a high level. I saw the who just, you know, maybe eight months ago, nine months ago, something like that. They were fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point back then, many of them, you said five years or 10, which I think is exactly right. But also they didn't think many of them would last for two years. They, they got right. a little hit single. Well, good. We got around, we'll be around for one more tour. Now uh, I think artists try to, but plan for a career, but certainly the stones, the who, all these other bands could have no way of knowing back then that I was going to have a career doing this. Yeah. They were just, you know, I remember it. Mick Jagger when he was young was asked, about aging and he was i think he was in his 20s or late or early 30s and he said well i can tell you one thing i'm not going to be singing uh, satisfaction when i'm 40 <laughs> right <laughs> you know, but when you're 28 40 seems like 100 miles away you know exactly uh, exactly ex ex exactly and you know you get up on that stage and you can speak to this more than jay and i can because you're a performer um there's an adrenaline rush that for 90 minutes you forget the body aches 
<laughs> it, it it all disappears and then you walk off stage and you just collapse because your body can't continue right. doing or it. Or maybe you feel it the next morning. Yeah, you feel it the next morning and yeah, it's not rock and roll parties anymore. It's <laughs> let me let me get back to the hotel and soak in a hot tub and put ice packs on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and have a vitamin drink and <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And hydrate. It's true. Well, you guys yeah. know when you do your jobs, you know, there are plenty of days. Uh, you know, doing anchoring the news every day on Channel 7 for uh, uh, all these years. You know, there are plenty of days you don't feel great. You know, you're, boy, I'm tired. Maybe I've got a little cold, whatever's going on. Well, you just go on and there's muscle memory and you do your job because it's not the audience's problem that you don't feel well. I never Show goes on. Let's go that, on. That yeah. shouldn't be yeah. their concern. And you've yeah. done the same with, with what you guys do where, oh, boy, I would love – maybe you've got something going on. You're distracted. It, it would just be good to have the day off today. Just be good to have the day nope. off. You know, because, you know, we're not moving rocks around in the sun, but right. there's a lot of energy required to do this well, to be engaged. Yep. And, yeah. you know, on those days where you don't go on the air, you're not as tired as the days yeah. you do go on the air. People sometimes yeah. don't understand that because it seems like, oh, you just go on and talk. Uh, and do, yeah. But it's more than that. And the same thing on a stage when you perform. There are times when like, ooh, I am. A little beat, but you, you, it's not the audience's problem. And and, nope. and you also forget about it the moment you get up there. Yeah. Let's well, Dan, let's. Let, yeah, I was okay. gonna say let's 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 shift gears and let's let's talk about your music career here. Oh, that's so... exactly what I was going to say. That's so weird that you say that. And let me just interrupt you just for a second. As you do that, when we got some information about you and we were watching some of the videos and stuff, it listed you, you as uh, part of an Americana rock band. And I just got back from Americana Fest, which I go to every year. And as we talk about your music career, I just want to touch on that. Because it's like saying you play in a rock band. Do you play, you know, uh, heavy metal or do you play like James Taylor? It's all rock. Right. And so I wanted to ask you, like, to talk just for a moment about Americana, because I love Americana Fest. There are singer songwriters, there's storytellers. I didn't see one bad act the whole time, but it was everything from reggae, rock, harder rock, you know, acoustic. Americana is this whole thing. Talk about that for a minute. You know, that's such a great question, Jay. And and to what Mike said earlier about how radio used to be, you used to hear everybody. I think Americana kind of encompasses a, a lot of different styles and a lot of different genres. And for me, we you know, my my band, I I I call us Americana Rock because it's the kind of stuff that I what I would identify, although I love the Stones. We we play a Stone song. We play uh, some covers, but we also play mostly originals. But we play uh, covers as well. But for me, Americana rock is that guitar-driven guitar. John Mellencamp, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, that kind of vibe uh, is a large part of 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 how I'm influenced. That to me defines Americana rock. But it's also a lyric content, what you're singing about. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not we're, we we're, it's not a techno band. You know, we don't have mm -hmm. synthesizers. It's 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 a guitar driven uh, power chord strummy kind of a sound with maybe that a little more storytelling story. And, and that's really the key, to be honest. I view uh, what I do as a songwriter ex in a very similar vein to what I do as a journalist, which is tell stories. And if you listen to the lyrics in the songs and I write 
you know, the lyrics and most of the melody, many of the melodies. Uh, my wonderful songwriting partner, Bill Bentley, is one of the most talented guys you'll ever see. He and I collaborate on all of this music. And not only is he a phenomenal guitar player on stage, he's incredible. He's a, just an incredibly gifted songwriter and musician and producer. So we work together on everything. But the lyrics tell stories, whether it's about uh, like this a song I wrote called River City, which reflects the trouble uh, and the divide the country has faced recently, or mm. Redbud Road uh, about growing up in my hometown of Chapel Hill. But it's not about just me growing up. It's about everybody growing up and that American experience of growing up. Um, so I, I view songwriting is telling stories. What do I observe? What have I experienced? What do I see other people experiencing? And how can I tell a story about it? And that my my lyrics are stories. Now, Jay what and I, I have always every day. Yeah, Jay and I have always said an artist needs to know what their story is, the and and, a, and the narrative. And and at the simplest, your story is not that you just release new music because, exactly. frankly, in this day and age, nobody. Unless you're the Rolling Stones, nobody really cares that that you're releasing new music. Right. So what what have you learned from your journalism career and the journalism side about how to craft stories? Because stories are what connects. That's what connects you to the audience. And that's what will keep them engaged through the end of that segment, end of the song. But hopefully it's that story that also gets them to go, wow, I need to dig a little deeper into Dan Ashley because maybe he's got some more stories that I can relate to in my personal life. How did how did journalism impact you from that storytelling side of things? Well, Mike, it was the guiding light. It was how I approached it. It was the only way I knew really to approach lyrics and songwriting in an authentic way. I could listen to an artist and go, well, I want to try to write a song that sounds sort of like that. And you could do that, but why is anyone going to care? Well, they're probably not. They're, they're going to care if you can connect with them in an authentic way. So that's what I'm trying to do with storytelling. We call it in television news, we call it viewer relevance. Like when mm. you're telling a story, why would the like viewer that. care about this story? What is the relevance of this material to them, to their lives, to their experiences? I view songwriting in the same way. What is the sort of listener audience relevance? Why would they care about this story? Well, they have to find a way in those lyrics to relate themselves. And it, it goes without saying, you know, hey, it's got to be a catchy tune. You got to be able to, you know, know the hook and stomp your feet or clap. I mean, that, you know. That's kind of a given. It's got to be a, a, a decent tune. But, you know, one of the things that makes a, a James Taylor, a Mellencamp, uh, uh, um, uh, who else? Uh, a Bruce Springsteen, particularly artists like that, so impactful is you connect with them. You hear what they're saying. Their music is great, but you identify with it. And it seems authentic. So that's, you know, the lyrics I write, I have a song that we're going to release soon about homelessness mm -hmm. and about a particular woman uh, who is homeless. And it's authentic. It's real. You know, the the characters in my stories are, are, are not, not if they may not be by name, but they're not fabricated. They're people I've seen. They're people I've experienced. You know, one of my songs, I've seen uh, houses burn. I've seen hurricanes churn. And, yeah. you know, that's my years as a reporter and what I've seen. And 
So I think if it's authentic and they go, hey, this guy or woman, whoever the artist is, this guy has something to say, then you've got something. Yeah, did and, it, and I think did, you're, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, Dan, did it take something for you to, because you use the word authentic, and that that is very important. You've got to be real as an artist. You've got to be honest. You can't you can't fake I care about this cause because in this day and age, people see through that very quickly. Sure but there's also, I think, especially for newer artists, an issue of how do they get comfortable being authentic to to open it up and just let it come out and not be afraid of the feedback you're going to get. To be because vulnerable. it could be you could yeah. be very vulnerable opening yourselves up. You could get a lot of you know, in this day and age, you can get a lot of haters and you can get a lot of people who love what you're doing. How do you approach that and go, I can't let that be my concern. I have to focus on being authentic. Uh, really great question, Mike. You know, I think over the years, and I've been uh, on television now for close to 40 years, coming up on 38 or 39 years, you you approach my music the way I approach my uh, job in that I, I try to be on television who, I'm in, who I am in real life and be authentic. And you understand that uh, sometimes people will connect with that and like it, and sometimes they won't. And that's okay, but they have to connect or, or disconnect with the real you one way or the other. And so the same is true on stage. I think with experience, having been in public my entire adult life, literally, you get used to that feedback. And hey, some people are going to like it, some people not. You always hope people love it, right? I was, right, I'd yeah. much rather be at the at the game last night and have people coming up and just loving my presence on television. But yeah. that's not realistic. You also have to have a thick skin. And well, some people are just, you're, you're not their cup of tea and that's okay. Yeah. I think the same is true on stage. You have to be willing to, to put yourself out there. And I've gotten better at this. I've worked on this and just be me. Don't, don't be a performer. Just be me on stage, be authentic. And I felt that progression happening. And as a result, I think it's become uh, more successful in the sense that I think people, I, I can feel uh, the connection. I feel it with them. Uh, and I think they feel it with me more than ever as I've gotten better at, hey, I just want to be exposed on stage and just be yeah. real. Don't be a performer. We say in television, there's two kinds of uh, news anchors or uh, uh, reporters too, but two kinds of anchors, the kinds of people who stay on this side of the glass mm. and the kinds of people who come to your side of the glass. Interesting. And, and the same is true on stage. You've all, we've all been to shows where the, artist maybe a great performer but is on stage Separate. they're up there and then you've been to shows where boy they seem like they're sitting right in front of you mm -hmm. springsteen is right here. he's talking they're to talking me, right not to just me this yep you're part of it you're putting on a show he there's an authenticity a connection that's happening and that's what you know i'm i'm striving for anyway yeah, I think there's something really fascinating in that both of those facets of your life, they seem so different, but they're actually very, very similar in the way that it's storytelling, it's authentic, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be on that other side of the glass, you know, all of that, they're actually very, very similar. The, the one difference I see is that music is such a strange thing in that you play it at weddings, 
and funerals and military things and civilian things. And it's part of, it can make you cry. It can make you laugh. And it's like such a deeply entrenched thing in our lives. It's, it carries a lot of, I think, responsibility sometimes in <laughs> what you're doing. And, and I just love the way that you describe that um, being part of a show. Like if you go see, I'll, I'll make up a, a band, the Rolling Stones or U2 in a big arena. You, even if they're about 300 feet away, you feel like you're in that performance. But I've been to small clubs where somebody is just not connected with a crowd and they might as well be on another planet. And, the, and yet they're 15 feet away. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. And some exactly. of that, I think, is awareness. Some of it is just sort of innate ability to do that or, or, or an understanding that that is something that makes it more powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think uh, to your other point, Jay, uh, what the two sides that I, I live my life in, uh, primarily, of course, as a reporter, but as a musician, are very similar. And my station has been wonderful about embracing that because they understand oh, great. it's it's a healthy other side and it's an opportunity to connect with our viewers in a different way. And But I view it as a very similar process. It is connecting storytelling in music, storytelling through journalism and reporting uh, what's going on. They're different, but they're not that dissimilar yeah, in that way. Yeah. You know, it, it's still... I'm the same guy connecting with people in two different ways and, and that are in fact similar. And because I approach them in such a similar way, I think that adds to the authentic connection that I, I feel with, with the audience or, and always at least strive to feel with the audience. You know, it's, it's Did a, it's a great privilege. And I also would say that uh, it's a, certainly doing my job it's a sacred you guys know this is when people come up to you and tell you they love what you're doing it's kind of a sacred trust. nothing better it's, it's nothing oh, yeah. better and you feel this responsibility you mentioned the word uh, jay responsibility to deliver for them to be there in a responsible consistent way yeah it, it is a real responsibility i feel that deeply in working on television and then as an artist, you know, giving them some music that maybe they connect to, or when you're entertaining them, if you're hired to entertain a crowd, you feel this obligation. Well, I have to, I have to entertain these people. They, I have yeah. to leave, have them leave feeling like that was something worth their time. You know, yeah, may I, I make one more point. This, this, oh, of course. Cool. Of, uh, sorry about that, Mike. My, one of my, one of my great singing teacher, Cornell Carter, who is Cornell CC Carter, who is a phenomenal artist in his own right he was like the number one soul artist in the uk last year he's got oh, hit wow. singles there all the time he he lives here he's a phenomenal singer but a great dear dear friend of mine a great coach he always told me right from the beginning we started working together he goes you want to be the kind of singer and the kind of artist that if somebody's in the back of the room and they're having a conversation and you're singing a ballad quietly. You want that person to go, hey, 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 hang on, quiet, wait, wait. <laughs> I, want, I want to hear this. Yeah. And you don't do that by being loud. You don't. You do that by being sincere and authentic and communicating and connecting. Same thing on television. I want to be the kind of television news anchor that people go, hey, hold it down for just one second. This is important. I want to hear this. I want to hear what he's saying. You don't always do that. But that is what yeah, one strives for, to be the kind of yeah. person that uh, the kind of performer, <laughs> or the kind of uh, news anchor that people want, want to listen to. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've got besides this podcast, I do a, um, a weekly podcast just about the band Kiss. And it's been happening for over 10 years now. 
And we are humbled when we get the, the comments from listeners who are like, I've been listening to you every week for 10 years. You're like that friend I never had growing up who I could talk to about the band I love. Wow. I, I will yell at you at the screen. I will agree <laughs> with you on the screen. And, and you know, that's, that's a humbling thing to no hear. Bigger compliment. Yeah. There's no bigger compliment when, when one, you don't necessarily set out to do that specifically. You are just, as you said, you're being authentic. You're just being yourself. We're being three Kiss fans talking about what we love. And it just so happens people become friends with us that we've never met. And I, I imagine as a journalist, that's something you've dealt with too. It's like you, you have all these people who look to you as their friend, and yet you've never met them. You've never said hi to them before. Or you have an impact. That, yeah. That you have that impact on their life. You've been part of their life where, you know, Dan, you got me through this tough time that I was going through with my family or, or health issues. That's quite an experience to hear that feedback. Well, as you well know, both of you and Mike, your experience uh, with the KISS broadcasts uh, is a great example of that. I hear that all the time from people. People come mm -hmm. up to me constantly. Oh, I grew up watching you, and, which makes me feel old because if they're 40, I think I say <laughs> they did grow up watching me. <laughs> but uh, but what a humbling honor. I never uh, take that for granted. It is always so flattering. I'm so grateful. You, you know, this job gives me a unique place in the community because of my job. Music yeah. gives me a unique place in the community because of doing music. My wife, uh, people, my wife Angela, people will come up and say hi, and she go, "Do you know them?" I went, "No, I, I don't." But they <laughs> they but know they, all about you. As if they really know you, and yeah. of course, yeah. uh, I've never once not been kind and excited to of meet course. anyone. You know, it's it, because how flattering. You know how what a lucky person to to be in a position where people would come up and be so kind and appreciate something that you're doing. So uh, yeah. it is a very unique connection, and and. As you said, Mike, it is the nicest thing in the world to hear. It makes you feel uh, relevant. It makes you feel, uh, you know, warm and fuzzy that people would come up and go, gosh, I've listened to your show, you know, for years. You know, I'm a Kiss fan, too, and I just love what you're doing. Boy, you feel like I've I've found my place in the world. You know, you're doing yeah. something that that makes a difference. Yeah, and, 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 and I think yeah. the important aspect is that only comes when you are authentic, when you are being your true self on stage, off stage, on social media, everywhere, you, you, you open up and, and that's what by opening up, that's what allows your followers, your fans to learn who you are, engage with you and then connect with you. I agree. Yeah. And I think the the more open you are, uh, the more people receive it that way. And also the more fun it is. I mean, who wants, yeah. I'm a very optimistic kind of uh, easygoing <laughs> in that sense, kind of person, everybody and their brother has my cell phone number. I mean, yeah, and I don't guard any of that. I, it, I, it, who cares? And, yeah. and I think the more open you are to that, the more joyful life is, uh, and, who wants to live? I know a lot of people who don't kind of live in that authentic space because either a, they don't want to, there's a barrier. They don't want to, uh, you know, they want to protect some of their privacy. And I understand that, 
But no, I've never had anybody really. I mean, I have a few people, Bobby, but not really. You just go about yeah. your day and and don't worry about it. And just uh, attitude of gratitude to to be in a position that I mean, imagine guys, we're in a, we have we do jobs that people actually come up and say nice things about the job. Yeah, you do. You yeah, know, it's most pretty cool. People don't get to do that. Yeah, but I think the difference is is um, especially with you is this is the first time we've met, but I got the sense right away you're you're just so easy to talk to and you're so fun to talk to and you just got oh, this positive you. attitude and about everything and look lo our lives are challenging sometimes and we deal with negative people from time to time and when you meet somebody and i think music has a lot to do with that and maybe you know your work with news has that too because you deal with the public and you deal with a lot of people but i just know that on the music side you know if you ask a magician how he did his trick he won't tell you but if you walk up to any musician if i said to you dan i saw that guitar thing you played what was that you'd get out your guitar and go oh man it's this arpeggio thing and i learned it from this guy and right. here you try it there are no musicians. secrets yeah, yeah no exactly. secrets musicians and people who love music man it's you can go to a concert and you immediately have ten thousand friends you know what i mean and i think it's very special i think it's incredibly special i think that's why like taylor swift is such a phenom she has this authentic kind of manner about her that and this warm inviting way that encourages her fans to do the same thing that's a classic example of an artist in the modern era who has found a way to really connect and there's so much uh power in that and i mean power that uh, to move people power to 100 percent uh, and and be, be an impact player in that world so she's brilliant at that but you can you can't fake that you have to really be that mm -hmm. person or fans see through it that's and the point dan they they can smell in off in authenticity if that's a word a mile away if you're faking it even you you know in your job whether it's music news people know when you're real they yeah. just like do we say you like know. Uh, dan rather said the camera never blinks you can't hide on tv it exposes uh, who you really are so i've always said hey just be myself on tv and and you're kind to say that, Jay. I always meet – It's by, my family teases me, but I'll meet people uh, like you guys today. Whenever you meet somebody, I think, hey, this could be your next best friend. You don't know. You have to be yeah. open to that. It, that's, that's right. Part of the joy of life is to, to yeah. connect with people. You know, and wow, this has been connection. this has been such an this amazing is, this is, conversation. We, I, this I is the kind better. of yeah, <laughs> this is a conversation I like could therapy. let go for another two hours. <laughs> well, you guys are wonderful. Talk about being warm and fun and oh, friendly and inviting and authentic. Uh, look at you two. It's, it's oh, we're a, a couple of grumpy old guys. As my grandfather used to say, <laughs> I'm I'm one loud noise or bad meal away from the grave. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> that's a, that's so, so Dan, line. but you and know, as we, but go ahead. I'll make this point, guys. As a fellow broadcaster, look at what what we've been experiencing here. We're, we're not we're not broadcasting. We could be. No. We're just sitting here chatting, and people right. letting people watch what we're talking about. We're just having a conversation. I, that's right. I'm not even that's, aware that we're recording a broadcast. Are you? We're well, just yeah. talking. No, we just we that, get into that, it. That has been so. My two podcasts, which this one has been let around now for twelve twelve years now. The concept of both podcasts was very simple. I want this to be a couple guys meet in a bar every week to talk about whatever you love, what is your passion this week, and we just happen to hit a record button while you capture some people talking about their passion, which yeah. as much as I'm in this industry and I've 
been around radio and TV, and you might you might laugh at this. There is literally zero show prep for every episode that we record. We know we've got Dan Ashley coming on, and we know here's his history, but we didn't sit down with you do and do a pre-interview, did we? We no, didn't send you questions no. and what would you like to talk it was because my attitude has always been I like conversations where the 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 interview flows with the answers, meaning and I'm sure you can you can shake your head and agree to this. You can tell when an interviewer has questions in front of them on a yellow sheet of paper and all they're waiting for is the guest to finish their answer yes. so they can get to the next question. I've had some guests on shows where we ask one question and it goes completely into right field into something that we could have never anticipated. And it became the best interview ever. Well, like Dan. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just real conversation. That's how real conversation, conversation go. You know, Mike, you, you hit on it exactly. And you cannot ever find the magic if it's uh, scripted out. Scripted. It just can't yeah. do it. I, I do the same thing. One of my favorite things to do in television is to interview people live or on tape. If I could do any job, you know, my dream job would be Charlie Rose's old job where you sit mm -hmm. at a table with someone and just talk for an hour, you know, yeah. uh, and, yep. and just have a conversation. Um we have this all the time at work. A producer will say, hey, we're going to interview this person. Do you want to meet with them? I, you know, I don't need to meet with them. Do you want to put questions in? No, I don't want to put questions in. I may make a note to go make sure to ask about X or if I know. Yes. But I never, and I work with people who like to write questions down, and that's fine. But to your point, the, the conversation then goes as the scripted questions go. Yep. Yep. I just want to be in the moment. And I don't, I often don't know the first question I'm going to ask when I we love hit that. When I introduce them live on TV, that's cool. Something yeah. will come to me. I'm going to have a conversation with them. I I I've watched so that way too. I've watched so many interviews where somebody's talking to like a musician that I just love, and the 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 guest gives this answer back, and I'm like, my eyes are exploding, going, "Oh my god, did they just say something?" Ask them more about. Ask them more about that because nobody's ever discovered that before. But no, the interviewer just goes on to question two and question three. And I'm like, ah, I don't care about the canned answers about the new album. You just had an opportunity to ask something that had never been revealed before because they opened up a little bit to reveal it to you. And, and you know, as an interviewer, if they open up and they reveal it, pounce on it, go. Sure. They made it available to you now. Now ask them to clarify and go deeper into that. And, you know, I've had people, they want to go there often. They just, yeah. nobody's ever explored that. I did a podcast, a video interview with Sammy Hagar, who is a friend. And and uh, when we got done, he goes, that's one of the best interviews I've ever done. Oh, that's great. And I didn't, I didn't write down one question. I mean, I just, we just were in conversation, but I was determined, my focus was, let me ask him, and this is always the case with everybody I interview, particularly famous people, let me ask him questions he hasn't been answered, or he hasn't been asked before. 
I'm, I don't yeah. want to ask the similar question. I'd love to interview Mick Jagger and ask him questions that he's been interviewed a million times. I'd like to try to challenge him and ask him things he's never been asked. You know? Yep. Yeah. 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 Exactly. One uh, before we wrap up here, one of my clients is Blackie Lawless from the band Wasp, and last year when they went out on a U.S. tour, he did a a VIP program with his fans, and part of what he did was. He sat around for basically 20 minutes and Jay witnessed some of these and let each fan ask him a question. And there was no, we need to review these questions. We want to make sure it's no hard hitting questions. No embarrassment. He didn't care because he, he prefaced this whole thing by I have been interviewed so many times and I hear the same questions over and over and over. And I love that I sit down with my fans and you guys ask me questions I would have never expected to be asked, but I love that you're asking me this stuff now. Fire away. It's interesting. You Fire know, maybe away. We'll make a little news or find something new about a person by that process. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I've always joked. People are like, why couldn't you get Gene and Paul on your kiss podcast? And I'm like, well, I could ask them. And I'm sure they probably would, but they would give me the answers that we all know already it's right. the scripted story. And I don't want that. Right. I want to talk to somebody who is willing to go off script. Right. That's where the magic happens. No question. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dan, so great talking with you. I hope we can do this again before we let you go. Tell our audience, where can they find your music? Where can they listen to? I think people know where to find you on television, but where can they find your music? Jay, you're so kind. And thank you both for having me on. I, I'd come on anytime. What a joy to be with you guys. We can talk about anything, anytime. So you guys All are right. wonderful. And it's nice to make new friends. Please have me back. I'd love it. Of uh, course. You can go to, thank you very much. You can go to a Dan Ashley Music is our website, danashleymusic.com. The name of the band is just my name. Uh, my album out there is, uh, we have a bunch of singles out too, but the album is, it's available Spotify, all the places that you down, Apple Music, all the places that you get your music. Awesome. And, um, we played Outside Lands this year. It was a fantastic oh, cool. experience on the day fantastic. the Foo Fighters played. It was wonderful. And I'm performing in December with the Oakland Symphony. Wow. And, uh, and with Narda Michael Walden and Lisa Fisher of the Rolling Stones coming up in December. So a lot of fun stuff. And it's just uh, a privilege. What a, it, Like my job at ABC 7 News, it's just a privilege to be uh, able Continued to success, Dan. So great meeting Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, guys, I could not have had more fun and I appreciate it. <laughs> You're so kind and I Thank really, you. it's great to meet you. I love your show and to be on it. What a privilege. You guys are Thank the best. You, Thank you. We appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. so. Button. Jay, one of the best conversations about music in general I've, I've, I've ever had on this. Me podcast. too. Could be my favorite one. I just really yeah. enjoyed and I wasn't expecting it. I knew he was going to be you know, a nice guy and would have some experience, but we felt a connection from the very start. And I really enjoyed that conversation. Yep. Yep. Personality. There was so much personality and enjoyment there. Um, so before we wrap up today, just a quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot. Thank you for all your support of the podcast. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com and DiscMakers.com. Please check them out. Check out Dan Ashley online as well. And that's it. We'll, we'll see everybody next week. Industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, 
Get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. for Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.